Welcome to the Risk and Repeat podcast, episode number 63. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Search Security, and I am here as usual with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter, welcome. Hi, Rob. Peter, we are recording today. Uh, it's Thursday, July 13th. It has been an eventful week. There's been a lot going on, a lot going on in relation to, to many issues that we've been following. The uh, Russian hacking in the 2016 presidential election. There's been stuff going on with Symantec and their certificate authority. But I wanted to, those are all stories we've covered before and probably, uh, probably need a break from. But I wanted to take an opportunity this week to talk about another big story that's been going on that we've touched on a little bit in print or, or I should say on the website and, and a couple of news stories or news roundups. But I wanted to talk about Kaspersky Lab, or shorthand, Kaspersky, and what's been going on with them in the U.S. government and sort of the media coverage and the InfoSec community at large lately. Because I think it's really important. Obviously, they're a huge security company. They're one of the the big antivirus players, anti-malware. They're more than that. I mean, they're known for antivirus and anti-malware, but they're, they, they do more than that. They've, they're a, a hugely successful company in the security software space, but they are, they're going through a rough time right now. I mean, there's, there's no two ways about it. And I, and I kind of want to discuss whether that's, that's warranted, whether the criticism that Kaspersky is getting and the heat that they are taking both from legislators and people in the InfoSec community and the press, whether it's fair, whether it's warranted, whether we are maybe leaping to some conclusions here about what's going on with this company. And to set the stage, uh, over the last few weeks, Kaspersky has come under fire from Congress. It kind of came out of nowhere. Do you do you remember this? Like there was like a congressional hearing where I don't remember if it was Marco Rubio, uh, senator from Florida, or if it was somebody else, but somebody somebody was asking in relation to Russian meddling and Russian hacking and cyber threats was, you know, do we use Kaspersky in the government and should we? And that kind of got the ball rolling. And now there's there's proposals coming forward about making sure that Kaspersky products are not anywhere within the federal government or at least the military and intelligence communities. And just the other day, uh, the, I believe the Trump administration put limits on uh, Kaspersky products uh, under the GSA schedule, which is you know the federal procurement for for, for products. Um, that whole system and and so now they've I mean they they are sort of they've got a bullseye on them and that it kind of happened quickly don't I mean it's it's we went from sort of zero to 60 over the span of maybe a couple weeks well okay first thing I gotta get out of the way shoot a couple years ago roughly a couple of years ago when I first came in over here yes I remember asking someone, mm-hmm. uh, what's a good antivirus product to get for my Windows system? Yeah. And I replied, I want to say my recollection is you said you told me not to get Kaspersky. Oh, no. You, you, oh, no. You, that, was probably, that was probably another one of our colleagues who's suspicious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we won't mention that person's name. Okay. Um, but, okay. But no, I, I, I think I said... I think I was the one who said, "Oh, Kaspersky's good. They, okay. They're a good product." Thank um, you for. They have a good product. Sorry. Go thank ahead. you for for the memory check. Yeah. Because I'm, 
I always need confirmation. No, but, it's fine. But yeah, I, I think that there's long been uh, a low level of suspicion about products that come from other countries. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to look at products and evaluate products and include issues related to the political uh, status of their of the country of origin. Sure. Um, we've seen over the you know, again, I'll, I'll talk because I, I've, I've been f- so focused over the last two years on, on these topics yeah. that it's, it's really been clear to me. We've seen a lot of suspicion of products from China. Yep. Um, now, have those suspicions been f- well-founded or not? Well, I guess it depends on what vendor you're talking about. I mean, I remember, if I may dial this back a bit. Sure. I've been writing about tech for a number of years, and I remember when I was covering Lenovo, not long after they had purchased, well, I guess two different stints. I I was writing about IBM, Lenovo, and and PCs. And it wasn't long after uh, Lenovo bought um, IBM's PC business that questions, because there were tensions with China. You know, people were saying China's the other superpower. They're the only other superpower, and there was questions later on in you know you know 2010 2011 that time frame china was the big hacking threat china was the threat of you know coming in and hacking hacking the opm ha- um, hacking uh, uh, government secrets hacking nuclear silos this that and the other thing and there was a lot of paranoia about well do i want to sell do I want to buy Lenovo computers? Do I want to sell, if I'm a reseller partner, do I want to sell Lenovo computers? If I'm a government agency, do I want to, this and the other thing. And and I thought, okay, some maybe, uh, it, it's okay to ask questions about that and about uh, you know a foreign company's ties, especially in a, a regime like China, which, you know, it's a communist regime, it's, it's you don't know how sort of involved the government is with those, you know, those businesses in that country. But at the same time, if you've got nothing to really go on, then I, I don't feel, I, I feel like speculation and, and, and reckless speculation is, is unwarranted. And there's never been anything about Lenovo that's, I mean, when, when you think about sort of security issues with Lenovo, the only thing you could come back to is, you know, some of the bloatware that they put on their PCs. And I think, there was the superfish thing not long ago, but there's been no, there's been no evidence or or, or, or nothing to hang the, those paranoid hats on, in terms of them working with the Chinese government and spying on customers or spying on government agencies or using backdoors. And I got to tell you, that like this is the, the the stuff that we are worried about Kaspersky doing. It's nothing that we haven't done ourselves in this country with vendors like Cisco. And, and other major companies, we, we forget Carly Fiorina, former CEO of, of HP. I mean, she proudly proclaimed during the uh, the Republican primary, she was running for president, amazingly, that the NSA, I'd give the NSA full access to, to the stuff on my servers. I'd let them walk right in and give them whatever they want. I mean, it, so it, on one hand, I understand the the concern about asking these questions because you want to protect your own regardless of what you're doing. But at the same time, I think it's a little 
hypocritical when we know. And maybe that's why there's so much paranoia in the government, because they've got an inside look to what we're doing with our own companies. Well, maybe. But again, you know, we can, Kaspersky can, can say what we did was legal. Mm. Uh, we're helping our local authorities. Well, let's, before we get into that, yeah. we should kind of go over the, the, oh. the story. From what you know about the issue with Kaspersky, the issues, do you feel like it's it's gone too far in one direction, or do you think that there's real, because of what's going on in the geopolitical arena right now with Russian hacking, that this is sort of expected? Well, okay, so with cybersecurity, mm. information security, whatever you want to call it, the, the key currency, the thing that makes you rich or poor is how much trust you have and can inspire. Can, can I trust Kaspersky to not take uh, what's essentially a rootkit that I've installed on my computer uh, to not abuse that? And for a lot of people, the answer is yes. Um, same goes for you know any vendor of a product that's involved that, that, that has a part of the security chain of, mm. of, of securing data and systems. So do you trust IBM to make the, make the uh, products available without backdoors or without any risk? Uh, do you trust them to have all access to your, to your company's information? Um, I mean, and I'm not even talking about your data. I'm talking about your payment information, your locations, uh, what products you've got, you know. And I, and I just use IBM as a random example, but uh, one of the, some of the questions that come up are starting to make me think that it's not so much a question of do I trust this company to protect me as a customer, but do I trust this company to behave in a in, a, in what I consider a moral and ethical and legal manner. So legal and moral and ethical, those are three different things. Sure. Right? So, I mean, you can, you can be legal. You can legally help a government do what they want to do that's all legal. Yeah. Um, and it could be bad. It could be immoral as the appearance of cooperating with an autocratic government that we, that we see as an enemy or an yeah. enemy-ish. I mean... I, I totally understand why people would not want to put, and I love the way it was described as a rootkit, because it, I mean. I mean, that's any antivirus, though. Right, but like, that's, like, yeah. I mean, I, I guess the, the way I feel about this is, like any antivirus, like antivirus programs are frequently more trouble than they're worth, you know? Right, false you, positives. Yeah, you 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 get you you can't use two different programs at the same time. They conflict with one another. They you know you have to get a special program to remove the agents. Uh, sometimes I mean you know uh, remember McAfee years ago trying to get that thing off your system. It, they can be very very difficult to use. Very difficult to to get rid of when you want to switch. But I mean, Kaspersky has a good reputation. They have a strong reputation as a technology company. And the way I kind of look at this as is as there's there's been nothing in the company's history up to this point that has indicated that they've any that they're anything but a a lawful, solid actor in the InfoSec community. You know, worldwide, Russia, US community, whatever you want to call that. And not only that, but 
I almost trust them in a way more because I know there's there's been scrutiny around them for 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 years not to this level of public you know scrutiny and and sort of in some cases hysteria but but people know that they're Russia you know they're a Russian company they're from Russia they have they have people that are are ex-Russian government officials intelligence officials law enforcement officials that work there that's been known for years. They've, they've been under the microscope. And to this point, there's been nothing that we found, no back doors, nothing that would suggest that they're doing anything illegally. Now, of course, there's a story this week that we need to talk about. The business, business uh, Bloomberg Businessweek story about Kaspersky and its ties to uh, Russian intelligence. In fact, I, this this story bothered me. And, you know, first kudos to the, to the reporters here, because what they did was uh, they, they, they were working this story and apparently they got sources, I, I assume, within the company who got confidential emails, corporate emails, including some correspondence from Eugene Kaspersky about their workings with the Russian government, with FSB, which is, you know, like, like the CIA, FBI, whatever. And so the headline... The headline is, quote, Kaspersky Lab has been working with Russian intelligence. Now, you would read that headline and think, what, Peter? You kind of assume the worst. That's what I did. I right. thought, oh, they're giving, they're giving data on, on, on you know, they're, they're feeding intelligence to FSB or KGB or whatever you want to call it. Well, maybe, but my f- when, I, when you posed the question just now, because I, I didn't really – I don't really, uh, I don't, I don't presuppose what the headline is going to be and what the story is going to be necessarily. If they, if if, if the headline said Kaspersky's working with FSB, I think I would be interested to read more. Oh yeah. The same as if a headline said Symantec has been working with the FBI. But it's not the same thing for us as you know we're well, U.S. citizens. That doesn't carry the same sort of. No, yeah, you disagree. Uh, well, if if Symantec is working with the FBI, or if if the headline said Apple is working with the FBI to come up with a way to backdoor all iPhones, well, for example, some some companies do do that. Right. Well, I would be concerned about it. Yeah. Um, because I know more of the issues, and also because the FBI is supposed to be the law enforcement agency for the for the federal government. And they're supposed to be protecting me, and if their their activities are 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 putting me at risk in some way by, for example, backdooring my devices, yep. um, then I'm concerned about. Then I then I'm very concerned about it. Whereas if if Kasper, if a foreign company helps the federal police agency of the comp- country in which it's based. Uh, to do things like backdooring, I'll be concerned, but it's not as much of a concern to me because I have the choice of not going to that country, not dealing with that country, not buying products from that country. Yeah. So, um, so I'm a little bit less concerned. I mean, it's still it is a big concern because if if Kaspersky and you know purely hypothetical, and I'm not saying this is the case, but if Kaspersky, at the behest of at, at the request of the the FSB has a backdoor or some kind of rootkit 
backdoor, you know, secret rootkit that only the FSB can get into, and they can gather all of my stuff and harvest it. That's really bad. That would be really bad. And it w and the same would be true if it was Symantec doing that for the FBI. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, which which concerns me more? I think they're both bad. I even though the potential, you know, I, I'll. I will say that the FBI, I trust the FBI a lot more. Oh, obviously. I mean, much more than the FSB. But um, but if the FSB has that access, the thing is that I know that they're going to, they're, they're more willing to abuse it than, sure. than if the FBI did. I, I guess I'm just looking at sort of the net effect of such a headline. If you thought Semantic was doing that with the FBI, would most people, I mean, most people say, I've got nothing to hide, I don't care, I'm going to continue to use Semantic. If it's the FSB and Kaspersky and Russian intelligence, people are going to start saying, I'm not going to buy it or I'm going to remove it from my from my systems, which is, I don't think is entirely fair. And I'll, I'll explain why, because, this, I mean, we've talked about this story, but, you know, for the sake of the listeners and the search security readers out there, basically this story involves uh, corporate emails obtained from around 2009 in which Eugene Kaspersky and senior staff are talking about a, a big project that they're undertaking for the FSB. And at first it sounds like, oh man, this doesn't sound good. But then you get into the details of the story and it's, it's, it amounts to an anti-DDoS system, like, like, a, like a sort of a two-pronged system, a technology system and then sort of investigative uh, uh, services and, and, and follow-ups. And, you know, it's nothing like I think the headline suggested to me about, oh, Kaspersky's collecting data on customers, including government, U.S. government customers, and sending it to FSB. It's not really what the story is. I mean, it's basically they piloted an, an anti-DDoS product for, you know, for, for the Russian government. And then they even say in the story that the emails expressly say, they wanted to take this product commercial. So it's nothing that wasn't, it's not, it's not a secret project. It's something that they started doing for FSB and said, we're gonna turn around and we're gonna, we're gonna sell it. Uh, and, you know, they make a big deal in the story about, uh, you know, there's this graph here, it says, it, it refers to this practice as unusual. It says, Kaspersky provide, quote, Kaspersky provides the FSB with real-time intelligence on hackers' locations and sends experts to accompany the FSB and Russian police when they conduct raids, end quote. Now, okay, I don't know that Symantec or Trend Micro or McAfee, Intel Security, or any of the major security, you know, InfoSec companies here in the U.S. go on ride-alongs with the FBI or the NSA, but would it surprise you? It would not surprise me. In fact, it would surprise me if it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, just because that's, you know, that's sort of like, that's one of the perks of the business probably yeah. for some people yeah. is to get a chance to, you know, to ride in a police car. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. We should we should, we should ask some of the guys at like Rapid7 or Trend Micro, some of the guys we, we talk with regularly, like, have you ever gone on a, on a ride along? Yeah. You know, have you ever been with the feds when they raided... Not like like going through the front door with a bulletproof vest on and and you know the riot gear. I don't think they do that. Uh, but that would be 
interesting. We should ask about that. We should. But 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 the, to the point, the the original, the first part of that sentence, providing real time intelligence on hackers' locations. We do that. Everyone does that. We do that with FBI. We do that with Interpol. We do that with the Department of Justice. I mean, one of the things we've been writing about for more than a year is is how the infosec community and government officials talk about. And Valerie Plame just talked about this at the Cloud Identity Summit in Chicago. Is that the, we need a better working relationship. We need to share intelligence in real time with one another. Well, I mean, that's not unusual. I don't know why, like, if we're doing that, why wouldn't we expect Kaspersky to do that with, with the FSB? So, okay, let me, let me go back to one sure. of my first comments, which was about trust. Um, do I trust an autocratic government to treat me fairly and, 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 and ethically? No. Probably not. So, you know, if... But what about the company, though? Do I trust a company that operates under the wings of an autocratic government? I mean, and and I and that's that's maybe putting it a little bit uh, too far, but and all this becomes really super political and super heated in this right, whole in, right. in, in the political uh, environment that we are, that we're operating under right now. But just logically but, and reasonably, and looking at the technology and looking what the, at the information that's in front of us. Well, I think I might be able to trust Kaspersky. Um, mm. I think I might be po might, might be possible for me to trust Symantec as well, or McAfee, or, mm. or you know, whoever. After what Symantec's been going through with their cert business? Well, see, that's <laughs> the thing. That is the thing. That's And that's my, that's, yeah. you know, my personal. I mean, there's different cross, levels of trust here that we're talking about. I it, mean, like, like, do you trust them not to give information to the government? Do you trust them to even be competent? So. Exactly. So, so, Speaking to that whole point of the trust, yeah, I I'm not sure if I trust Semantic any more than I trust Kaspersky or uh, HP or whoever you know whoever is doing this business uh, of selling these things. How much do I trust them? It, it's hard to say. Yeah. And at the same time, the fact that some of the, some of the actors are some of the players are are operating out of autocratic governments that we're currently at odds with makes yeah. me a little bit more concerned about it. Um, but it's all, it all becomes about trust. And one of the parties in this whole story is Bloomberg. And I read this story, the Bloomberg story, and I was a little bit um, put off by some of the comments, some of the statements that seemed. Yeah. Uh, like there was the iffy. thing at the, yeah. do you remember the thing at the end of the story, they do like a summary and it says, literally it says bottom line, Kaspersky's lab, Kaspersky Labs ties to the Russian government may threaten its business in the U.S. and Western Europe, which accounts for almost 60% of its sales. Okay, I don't think that that statement is untrue, but that sounds like something that like competitors put together, like marketing language from from opposition teams at at other antivirus vendors. Like, it, like that doesn't. That's not. Yes, of, of course. Yeah. If they if they had ties, but but coming up with an anti DDoS product, I I don't. We're talking about denial of service attacks. We're not talking about surveillance tech. We're not talking about spying. We're not talking about collecting customer data. And I, it's important too. Like the, there's this kind of gets overlooked. But there's a there's a sentence very deep in the story that says there's no evidence connecting 
Kaspersky lab to Russian spy agencies. You know, like, like all they're doing is if, okay, they're working for a government client, but pr producing a, pr a product for them. That's not unusual. Like there's no link that U.S. government hasn't identified any specific link where they're giving them information that they shouldn't be giving them. Well, yeah, I mean, again, you, you raised some good points there. It's totally, and, and if I sat down and started rereading the Kaspersky article myself, which I'm not doing because I don't have my laptop. It might just make you mad. It would, it would make me mad, but I would also uh, probably cite two or three other instances in that particular article where it seems like cause, uh, Bloomberg is, the Bloomberg reporters are, are editorializing or maybe uh, jumping to conclusions or maybe not being 100% accurate. And I'm not saying that they're doing it on purpose. No. I mean, this is complicated. It's a complicated it, matter. It is. It is. It's totally complicated. And Yeah, go ahead. I mean, cybersecurity is, it's not something that an 11-year-old kid can fix yeah. for our country. No, it's not. It's complicated. It's yeah. not even something that is that that most grown adult people can fix. I mean, I certainly couldn't. Yeah, yeah. We can we can sit here and talk about it, but we're just blowing hot air. Yeah. Well, that's why we rely on experts. Exactly. And we should note that well, we should note first that Kaspersky issued a very very long and very detailed sort of rebuttal statement um, claiming that a lot of the stuff in the story was false or inaccurate or misrepresented. I mean, they they really went to town on this article, and it came out quick, like it, it like like they sat down and and this was emailed to me. I have to find the timestamp, but it was out within a couple hours. I I felt like after I read the story, and the story, you know, had come out earlier, but it was it was same day within the span of a few hours, and they they just I, I encourage people to read it. I we can't go through every item in this, but it's it's just. I mean, they emphasize a lot of points that we just talked about and take issue with other things in the story. And, uh, you know, referring to the expert, Jake Williams, our friend at Malware Jake at, at Info, uh, Rendition InfoSec. So he, uh, his, his organization, his company, they did a, a blog post sort of weighing in on this and saying, all right, we've, you know, hey, we've, we've covered this matter with Kaspersky a few times here. And, and, and this blog po uh, uh, post points out a couple of important things. The first of which was uh, the Bloomberg report has some curious things in it, not, not the least of which is, is this reference to active countermeasures. And there's, a, there's a, a part of the story where they say active countermeasures is an industry standard term or it's, it's you know, a term of art for InfoSec professionals. And, and Jake Williams is like, what? No, it's not. Like, what are you talking about? Um, and it just, yeah, it, it, it says, I, I want to make sure I get the wording right here. It's, the, the blog post says that this wasn't, uh, even if Bloomberg got this definition from an InfoSec expert, any expert worth quoting would have told Bloomberg that their definition was one of many and not, gener quote, not generally accepted by the community. That this wasn't reported, the blog post states, makes this whole article reek of bias, and where there's smoke, there's usually fire. End quote. So, take some issues with Bloomberg, the Bloomberg story, like we've mentioned. But then he also, uh, the the blog post here also goes on to say, well, there's something about the Kaspersky statement too that doesn't sit right, and basically, like, that amounts to Kaspersky saying it was it was impossible to sort of provide 
real-time, uh, uh, you know, gather identifying data from customers' computer um, and said it was is technically impossible. And the blog post is like, no, it's not. Of course you can do it. Um, so it feels like maybe Kaspersky overreached in its its denials and rebuttals. But uh, I encourage people to check out uh the InfoSec rendition blog post because it's it's worth a read. And I'm sure there's going to be more material coming out about this because it feels like the, there's a lot of people within the InfoSec community that are in the middle on this saying, okay, yeah, there's there may be some questions about Kaspersky, but there's some questions about what's going on behind the scenes. Like if the government knows something and that's why this has been brought up in Congress, then they should disclose it. And they shouldn't be going to war through the media and trying to sort of you know, smear this company. Like if there's, if there really is something going on with Kaspersky, we should know about it, right? We should. And I'll tell you, I have a couple of, couple of, of things that, that uh, you reminded me of see, that I've seen in the last few days on Twitter. One of them is a comment suggesting that when a senator brings up a topic like Kaspersky in the manner in which it was brought up during yeah. the hearings, it often means, it often, or, or it could mean an indication that the senator knows something that they got in a sense in a classified briefing, and, and, and they're trying to meeting, yep, and they're trying to they want to expose it a little yep. bit, right? Talk about it without talking about it, exactly, or or have somebody else uh, bring up the the, yep. the you know someone not in the committee says Kaspersky, what, and then they they say, well, here's the story on Kaspersky, yeah, um, and I think that's. I think it's an interesting comment. I, I think it's, um, uh, we've kind of seen this over the last 12 months with a lot of the Russian uh, cyber issues that have been coming up where some s certain senators raise a, a question uh, a, and it's it's kind it's more or less clear that they know something's going on but they can't talk about right, it. Right, right. They, they do want to invite other people to talk about it. Yeah. So that's one thing. And so the other thing that I, spotted on Twitter, I think it was yesterday, uh, somebody commented that it's one thing to take Kaspersky antivirus products or, or all their products off the GSA list. Um, that's one thing. I mean, and, and that doesn't, if I remember correctly, not being on the list doesn't mean you can't absolutely can't buy and it. But only, you've they, they've only been removed from a couple of portions of the GSA schedule, so it's not, yeah. Right. I mean, it's a guideline. If you really need something, it's you not You can on the get list. in trouble though if you if don't you just abide by the guidelines. So yeah, right. But I mean, if you go if you go down to Staples and buy a copy of it, you could get in trouble. But if you yeah. go through the channels and say, "I have here's my justification," yep, you can still get it. But the point that's kind of beyond the point. But the point was that it's one thing to take something off of a G GSA list of approved products. It's another thing to introduce legislation that bans a product from another country. Yeah. Because that invites retaliation from Russia, and Russia's already said that, and Russia's already yeah. has already said that, yeah. and and it also has. But this is, this was the part that wasn't obvious. It has ripple effects because what happens if you're a bank or a or a, any kind of business that does business with the government, if you're using Kaspersky products that are banned by the government, and you're trying to do business with the government. That means you've got to go and rip all these, or or I should should put it a different way. Does that mean that you have to go rip out all of your uh, sanctioned products and replace them? That's gonna 
be a problem for a lot of companies. It's, it's yeah. all, if they have an investment in, in the product line, they've got to not just rip out all the products, but they've got to get retrained on the new ones and yeah, and so on. They're, so yeah, those were the, the, the those were the, the the two things that I wanted to to mention before we f we finished. Yeah, and th those I mean th this is going to be going on for the foreseeable future. There could be you know full bans of the product. Uh, the products here in the states, Russia could retaliate with full bans of Western antivirus security products, as they've already stated. We already know from covering a previous story that companies like IBM and and some others have opened up their source code specific to Russian security agencies, in you know for third party audits. I'm, I did air quotes there to make sure that they're you know sound and secure and don't have government backdoors from for the NSA. We know that they they're willing to do that to do business over there. Um, that that ru that ru Russian market is important to them. So there are big implications here. If we take that step, that's that it's going to come back on us in in a lot of different ways. And uh, I you know we'll we'll see if there's any real evidence that Kaspersky is doing something that they shouldn't be doing. But until then, um, we'll wait and see what happens and enjoy all the hand-wringing and hysteria around this and uh, Peter thank you for your sound contributions and uh, insight into this matter always happy to be here and thank you to the listeners and readers of search security I'm Rob Wright and we will see you next time